Welcome to Peace Bible Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, we continue a message on the topic of wisdom. If you can, open your Bible to the book of Proverbs as John concludes his message, The Importance of Wisdom. What is wisdom? It is knowing what to do in a given situation, not just knowing how to pass a test, not just knowing the facts. It is knowing what to do with those facts, and then it is doing it. That is is wisdom. Now, the question is, how do we get wisdom? We all want wisdom. God wants us to have wisdom. When Solomon wrote this, he wanted us to have wisdom. The question is, how do we get wisdom? And the answer is this, we receive it. We receive it. Knowledge is learned, but wisdom is received. It is something that God gives us. Now, look in in chapter number two in Proverbs and look down in verse number six. Chapter two and verse six, and it says this, for the Lord gives wisdom. Say that with me. For the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives it. So how do we get wisdom? We receive it. We don't find it in a book. We can't learn wisdom. We receive wisdom from the Lord. God has all wisdom. We want wisdom. To get wisdom, we have to receive it from God. But notice this. We receive wisdom as we pursue it and as we pursue God. Now, turn to chapter number 8 and look down to verse 17. This is one of my favorite verses in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 17. Now, this is wisdom speaking. This is not God speaking. Wisdom here is being personified. In fact, if you look back in verse 12... The Bible says, I, wisdom, so wisdom now is talking, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil and so on. So wisdom is talking. Verse 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. And so wisdom is saying, if you seek after me, you will find me. So how do we get wisdom? We receive it. We don't learn it. In a book, we receive it from God, but we receive it as we pursue God and as we pursue wisdom. And so what I want to do today is to develop this idea on how we can have wisdom. And every one of us today needs wisdom in our lives as we make decisions in our families, at work, in our finances, in our health. We all need wisdom. God, what would you have me to do in this situation? And so how do we go about seeking that wisdom and how can we receive it? So I want to give you some things to jot down today and I think it will answer that question. The first way that we receive wisdom is to fear the Lord. Now, this whole idea of fearing the Lord is a big idea in the book of Proverbs. In fact, a dozen or more times in the book, we read this expression, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. In fact, if you'll go back in ver- or go to chapter number nine, this is one of my favorite verses in Proverbs, and look down in verse number 10. Proverbs chapter nine and verse number 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. But just the first part, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the first step to receiving wisdom so that as you go through life, see, Proverbs is telling us how to live our lives, how to make good decisions, and we need wisdom. But the first step to receiving that wisdom is to fear the Lord. Now, the question is, what does that mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Does it mean that we are scared of God? Does it mean that we, you know, if, if we feel like if we sin or, or mess up in some way that God's just watching and He's going to pop us on the head or He's going to zap us, He's going to end our life? Is that what it means to fear the Lord? Well, to fear the Lord, I, I, I've really tr- thought about that. And from a biblical perspective, I think I can say three things that will help flesh out the idea of fearing the Lord. First of all, to fear the Lord means to trust the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 1 and in verse number 7 in the Living Bible, here's what it says. How can a man become wise or how can a woman become wise? Now listen to this. The first step is to trust and reverence the Lord. And so the first step to fearing the Lord, and remember, fearing the Lord is the first step to receiving wisdom. It begins by trusting the Lord. In other words, a person who doesn't trust God, they trust themselves or they don't even believe there is a God, but a person who doesn't trust God, they're not fearing the Lord, but to fear the Lord is to trust the Lord. And so let me ask you today, Are you trusting the Lord? You know, when we think about faith and we think about trusting God, we have to make sure that our faith, everybody has faith. As Christians, we have faith in Jesus. An atheist has faith. They just have faith that there is no God, but it takes faith to be an atheist. In fact, I think it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian. Those of us who believe the Bible, we believe, first verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We just believe that. The atheist says, no, I don't believe that. So you ask the atheist, well, how do you believe the world got here? And they say, well, a long time ago there was nothing, and then there was an explosion, and all of a sudden there's everything. And so an atheist believes that nobody took nothing and made everything. Now, to me, that takes more faith than it does to believe that God took nothing and made everything. And so, but what I'm saying is the believer and the atheists both have faith. But for those of us who are saved, our faith is in the Lord. We are trusting in Him. How does a man, how does a woman have wisdom? The first step is to trust the Lord, to have our faith in the person of Jesus Christ and to have our faith in His blood for the forgiveness of our sins. If you died today and stood before God And God said to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say to God in answer to that question? Well, if I should die today and stand before God and God said, John, why should I let you into heaven? I would say, God, you and I both know that I've sinned many times. And God, I I, I can't, can't get around that. I can't deny that. I have sinned. But I have asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. I have asked Jesus to apply the blood that he shed on that cross to my sins, and I am trusting in Jesus Christ to forgive my sins and to save me. And that to which God would reply, open wide the gates and let him in, because my faith is in Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we trusting in Jesus, 
or are we trusting in Jesus? Listen, your life and my life, are li- our lives are like houses, and a house has to be built on a foundation. And the Bible says that the, the only foundation that a life should be built on is the person of Jesus Christ. And so we have to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ, not on ourselves, not on our understanding, not on our experiences. We have to build our life and our faith on the person of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? First of all, it means that we trust the Lord. Second of all, it means that we respect the Lord. We revere the Lord. We honor the Lord. Again, in the Living Bible, chapter 1, verse 7, how does a person get wisdom? The first step is to trust and reverence the Lord. Do you respect God? I know you do because you're in church today. But the idea of fearing God, it it, it includes this, that we reverence and that we respect God. Now, reverencing and respecting God is to say, I'm not scared of God. He has forgiven my sins. He is my heavenly Father. But I'm going to live my life fully mindful that God is out there and that God is watching, and I'm going to allow His presence in the world and in my life to alter and affect how I live. And so that's all part of fearing the Lord. It is that we trust Him, and it is also that we respect Him and that we revere Him. And I'll tell you what else it means to fear the Lord. It means that we desire His opinion on a situation. If you're thinking about doing something, going somewhere, making a purchase, making a major life change, Wisdom says, I want to get God's opinion on this situation. That In R.T. Kendall's book, On Wisdom, that's one of his definitions for what wisdom is. It is getting God's opinion. And he says in his book, rightly, God has an opinion on everything. And so we want to get his opinion and try to figure out what God's opinion is. And so the first step to wisdom is to fear the Lord. The second step for, to get wisdom is to ask for it. In other words, if wisdom is something that we receive, not that we learn, but that we receive, how do we receive anything in the Christian life? We ask. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, ask and you shall receive. James chapter 1 and verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And so how do we get wisdom? We go to God and we ask Him to give us wisdom. Now, turn back, if you will, to 1 Kings chapter number 3. 1 Kings chapter number 3, and uh, Solomon again is who wrote Proverbs, but here we find Solomon asking God to give him wisdom. As soon as he became the king of Israel, God appeared to him one night, and we read in 1 Kings chapter 3, let me let you find it, down in verse number 5. That when God appeared to Solomon, he asked him, Solomon, what would you like for me to give you? Interesting question. If God came to you today and said, what would you like me to give you? You can have anything you want to have. What would you like for it to be? Well, look in verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask, what shall I give you? Verse 9, Solomon now answers this question. He says, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. 
For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall there be anyone like you after you. And I also have given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. And so when Solomon asked for wisdom, God was so pleased with what he had asked for that not only did he give him wisdom, he gave him things he did not even ask for. And so wisdom, those of us who are saved, The most important thing that we could ask God for in our lives, God, give me wisdom. God, I'm trying to make a decision. I don't know what to do. Should I live here, work there, do this, not do that? God, I need you to give me wisdom. And he gives us wisdom as we ask for it. Now, in Solomon's case, God answered that prayer just like that. (laughs) Solomon said, God, I need wisdom. Boom, there was wisdom. But that doesn't always work that way. Sometimes we ask God for wisdom, and most of the time, in my life anyway, and I'm sure this is true for you, we ask God for wisdom, and it takes time. There's a process of time that goes by before God gives us the wisdom that we've asked for. And so we have to wait. I would encourage you today, if you're praying for wisdom about something, you're trying to know what to do, and you don't feel like God's told you anything. This is what God would say to us in that situation. Until you get your answer, just keep doing what you're doing. As long as you're not doing something that's immoral, just keep doing what you're doing until God shows you to do something differently. And as you ask for wisdom, remember this, believe that God will give you the wisdom that you ask for. James, when he said in chapter one, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he'll give it to you. But in the very next verse, he says, But let him ask in faith, believing, for he who doubts is unstable in all of his ways, like a wave of the sea. And so when you ask God for wisdom, ask in faith and believe that God will give you the wisdom that you have asked for. And so we want to ask and we want to wait and we want to believe that God will give us wisdom. Now, how do we have wisdom? We fear the Lord. We trust him. We reverence him. We desire his opinion. Next step, we ask, God, I need wisdom. Please give me wisdom. We believe he'll do it. We wait on him to do it. And then the next thing is we act on the wisdom that God gives us. Remember this about wisdom. Wisdom is like a muscle. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. And so wisdom is like that. Wisdom, it's not just knowing what to do. Remember our definition of wisdom? It is knowing what to do in a given situation and then doing it. It is possible to know what to do and then not do it for whatever reason that you might have. Now, you are in 1 Kings. Keep, put your, keep your bulletin in 1 Kings and go back to Proverbs. And I want to show you something. Then we're going to come back to 1 Kings. But go to the very end of Proverbs, chapter number 31. Because I want to show you how Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, other than Jesus himself, how he had wisdom, and yet he didn't use the wisdom that he had. He didn't act on it. He went against his own better judgment. In Proverbs chapter 31 
And in verse number one, it says, the words of King Lemuel. Now, who is Lemuel? Well, we don't know for sure, but Jewish tradition says Lemuel is another name for Solomon. And so it's kind of a name of affection that his mother had given to him. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. Now, who was Solomon's mother? Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the one who had had an affair with David. So Solomon was born out of a relationship that didn't have the best beginning. David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and uh, certainly vice versa there. But he's been forgiven. She's been forgiven. They've moved on in life. And God is blessing David and Bathsheba so much so that he's blessed them with Solomon who became the king. But as Solomon got older, Bathsheba called him aside, and she began to give him some advice about life, especially since she knew one day he would be the king. Look at verse 2, what Bathsheba said to Solomon, what, my son, and what son of my womb, and what son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings." Bathsheba's saying, Solomon, take it from me. Take it from your father. When it comes to the area of morality, you better be very careful and don't spend all of your strength and all of your time and all of your thinking on women. God has a girl out there for you one day, but just get with her and stay with her. Verse four, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink. Bathsheba's saying, Solomon, you're going to be a king. And as a king, you need a clear mind. And so stay away from alcohol. Now, go back to 1 Kings. And you were in 1 Kings chapter uh, 3. Now go to 1 Kings chapter number 11. Now Solomon had, his mother had given him wisdom, right? He knew what to do and what not to do. But just to show you that wisdom is not just something we ask for and receive and even have. Wisdom is something we do. It is something we use. It is something that we act on. 1 Kings 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. Now you think, well, now where did this come from? As well as the daughter of Pharaoh. Now he's married a girl from Egypt, and they worshiped other gods. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives. Now, what in the world is happening to Solomon here? And 300 concubines. You know, I've read about concubines all my, I never even knew what a concubine was. Yesterday, I thought, what is this? What are 300, what's the difference in a concubine and a wife? Well, uh, when it says he had 700 wives, he was the king, right? And so these were considered royal wives. These were wives of the king. These concubines were a lower level of wives. So really, he had a thousand wives. Now, 700 of them were royal wives, but do you think those girls felt special? I mean, do you think they could have said to one of the concubines, well, you're a concubine, but I'm one of the royal wives, and I'm I'm one of his 700 royal wives. You think that made them feel special? Well, no, but he's got all these women. And in verse number four, for so it was when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods 
and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord as did his father David. Now, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, his mother had told him, be careful with these women. And don't be drinking alcohol. Now, we could read on about how alcohol became an important part of Solomon. Solomon knew it so well that he wrote it in Proverbs. He said, here's what my mother taught me. And yet, evidently, Solomon wrote Proverbs, and I think it's safe to say, at a much earlier stage in his life because when he got old, his heart was turned away from God. You wouldn't find somebody in a backslidden condition writing a book on how to have wisdom. So he had written Proverbs as a younger man. He had wisdom, and yet he didn't use it. He didn't do what he knew that he should do. And so wisdom is not just knowing what to do. It's doing it. It's doing what you know to do. Now, as we think about the importance of wisdom, I was thinking about this. If, if God came to you today, And God said to you what he said to Solomon, you can ask me for anything you want in life, money, fame, a better job, a bigger house, a bigger family, longer life, whatever you want, the judgment on your enemies, vindication, the clearing of your name, you can ask for anything you want to ask for. What do you want? What would you ask God for? Well, As I said a moment ago, those of us who are saved, the wisest thing that we could ask God for every day of our lives is wisdom. If you believe that, say amen. It's true. So what I'm saying is all of us today who are saved, our greatest need is wisdom. But those of you here today or those who are listening at home today who say, John, I'm not sure that I am saved. I'm not sure that my trust is in Jesus. If my life's a building... He's not my foundation, you might would say. You might would say, I'm building my life. I'm constructing my faith on myself, on my own goodness, on my own experience, on my own understanding, on my own connections. Who I, I'm trying to build my life up with who I know and what string I can pull, but I'm not really building my life on the person of Jesus Christ. Friend, Jesus said a storm will come into your life one day and you have built your life on the sand and your house is going to come tumbling down. But if you'll build your life on the the rock, on Jesus, storm going to come into your life too. Storms come into all of our lives. But if we're built on Jesus, we will withstand the storm. And so it says to me, those of us who are saved every day, we should ask for wisdom. God, show me what to do. But those who are unsaved today, you don't need to ask for wisdom You need wisdom, but that's not the most important thing you need. You know what you need to ask God for today? You need to ask God for mercy and for forgiveness and for salvation. Let us therefore come boldly, Hebrews says in chapter 4, to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and obtain grace to help in time of need. Friend, if you have never been saved, yes, you need enough wisdom to get saved. But even greater than wisdom, you need the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace and the salvation of God in your life. And so with our head bowed and eyes closed, we all need that. 
That's how we begin our Christian life. By asking for God's forgiveness. And so today, if you say, John, I'm not 100% sure that I'm saved. Would you pray this prayer right now? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Lord, I need mercy, and I need grace. I need forgiveness, and I need a new beginning. Amen. For those of you who have just prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you. Please share your decision with us by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for being with us today. We look forward to you joining us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.